0: Crystal Stokes here with Get Stoked, a podcast with real and raw conversations with leaders of all types, business owners, managers, executives, and more. Get stoked by their honest and insightful stories and key takeaways that you can use to improve your leadership abilities. Now, if you find this podcast helpful, please subscribe and share it with others. Your support and feedback really makes a difference. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. Right, hey everybody, Crystal Stokes here, and I am very, very happy to have Rachel Golden joining us. She is a hospital manager and she is at VCA. She's been in the veterinary profession now for 15 years, and she's been with VCA for eleven, just celebrated her anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. So, um, of course I've always had a
1: huge interest in animals and love of animals. Um, I thought I would be a veterinarian most of my, uh, childhood and throughout high school and some of college, um, until I found out it wasn't for me. (laughs) Um, but I have found my way back into veterinary medicine through assisting and management and have come to love it in an entirely new way. Um, and yeah, just got two more cats to make myself a crazy cat lady at five cats now. So <laughs> I feel like in this industry, you have to have a, an unusual amount of animals at some point. So I'm there now.
0: <laughs> You're finally in the club. I just I met today who has five dogs and five cats. Woo. Boy, you are crushing it. I have been busy. You are <laughs> busy. Wow. So, you know, you and I have talked quite a bit offline and we are both very passionate about this field of veterinary medicine. And we have a lot of questions and we've been watching what's happening in the veterinary profession. And there's this, this question that I think a lot of people are asking. It's what we're here today to talk about, which is, why is everybody leaving the veterinary profession? And you yes. have thoughts on this and that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, it's it's crazy. It's, it's not only why is everybody leaving, you know, as we know, everybody's getting picked off by... Um, the higher numbers, you know, the, the, the big, uh, bonuses and whatnot. So we're losing a lot of people just to, um, greener grass, but we're also just seeing employees leaving the veterinary field at alarming rates, not just leaving for another job, but just going to a totally different field. Mm -hmm. Um, so now we're losing those valuable employees, but we're also seeing this massive loss of people in our potential employee pool. Mm-hmm. Which you know, as many clinics and hospitals have uh, been noticing, they're having to bring in more and more people with no background or skill, and then train them from scratch. And you know, this is a challenge for in, in any industry, but the veterinary medicine uh, world is demanding a higher skill set than ever. And our teams and new employees are either falling on their faces or worse, they're being put into a situation where everyone's frustrated at them for just not getting it. Oh, yes. Um, And I, you know, I want to figure out a way to boost these new people up um, while we're still trying to keep our other people, right, Our, our, our core people that have been able to to stick through this crazy pandemic and everything else that we have going on. Well, can I slow you down there for a minute
0: to ask? I want to hear what it's like in your hospital and the hospitals that you've worked with compared to what I've seen. I wonder if it's similar or if it's different. So what I've noticed, and I've seen this in other professions as well, but it seems to be amplified in the veterinary field, which is, uh, so you have these core people that are sort of the skeleton of the hospital. They are the ones that hold it together and they're usually highly trained, highly committed, often overworking, you know, Mm -hmm. just workhorse people, very passionate and all underwater trying to find their oxygen mask, you know, just Mm -hmm. by everybody knows we need to add more people to the team. So there's somebody on the team that's in charge of hiring, trying to find these people. They hit the wall of, well, we can't find already trained staff. If I could find him, I'd hire him, but I can't find anybody that's trained to do anesthesia or to that's trained in reception or that's you know, specializing in assisting with surgery. Can't find them. So we're gonna have to hire untrained staff. Okay, now we have bodies in in the building. They're humans in the building now, more of them. But in some ways it almost becomes more work because they're in the way, they're kind of like, I don't know what to do, they're nervous, they don't have confidence, and then we have not thought about how do we take the existing skeleton staff and carve out time in their schedule to train the newbies. Like there's no trainer. Who's the trainer? Are they just supposed to learn through osmosis by being there? And so I think that's been where I see in the hospitals I've been with. That part was like, oh, we forgot about that part of the plan. We don't know. We don't have the people to do the training. So the training <laughs> kind of happens accidentally. And the people getting trained feel like they're not doing a good job. They don't feel like they're getting trained well they lose confidence oftentimes they become apathetic or they just quit yep yep
1: well i would say you know like i was saying we we ask more from our staff now than ever. We want them faster. We want them more knowledgeable. We want them professional. Uh, We want extra training that goes beyond just restraint, vaccines, and preventatives. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're talking about being able to set up and read cytologies, uh, being able to uh, perform technical skills such as cystos, dental blocks, even epidurals. And we're asking this, but then we're also asking those staff members to hit the ground running and do not put the doctors behind said training with said training. And I know I constantly get frustrated with our veterinarians when they say things like, we need to fire so-and-so because uh, they're just not getting it. And I'm like, so-and-so has been here four months and has never worked in a veterinary hospital before. They've never picked up a syringe. Um, and I think it's it's really typical to try to get expectations um, on the same, where we need them for these these new employees that are starting so much further th- behind than what we need them to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much to learn. And while I'm aware that training woes are not unique to vetmed, um, we're still working with this impossible pace that we've been put into these last few years. And uh, the education requirements really only apply to DVMs and CBTs. Mm-hmm. So we end up with this massive knowledge gap and it has to be learned on the floor, right.
0: um, trying to find the time for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, seen <laughs> I I that in our discussion, like pinning it for people in their brain, mm-hmm. a huge problem is we don't have the time to train these people. Okay. The time we need them, we need these people desperately. We need them to have these skills because the industry is growing rapidly and there are more and more skills to learn, but we perceive that there is no time to actually train them. Okay. Right.
1: Right. And not only that, but we start running into retention issues with our good, strong backbone staff Mm -hmm. when we allow employees to continue to work untrained. Because of course, that excess workload, either like myself, if I'm not only doing my job, but either fixing the mistakes that, that this employee's made because they just don't know how to do it correctly, or I'm just doing it for them because they don't know how to do it. I'm going to burn out twice as quickly as, you know, if we're all carrying the same workload. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to say that a lot as a, as a lead is I, I don't care, you know, if my person sitting next to me is, um, a jabber jaw, or if they're, you know, one of those really direct straightforward people that kind of are off putting at times, I don't care. As long as they are working hard and they're taking some of that pressure off of me, I can work with anybody. <laughs> yeah. I just, I want to be able to do my job as effectively as possible. And I want to have a teammate who can do that as well. Um, But again, like we're saying, you have to set them up for this success with the actual training. I mean, until, you know, there are programs, of course, for veterinary assistants out there, um, but I don't know, you know, they're starting to pick up steam a little bit, but since it has so traditionally been um, an on the, on the job training situation, Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot harder for I think veterinary hospitals to invest the time that it takes to really get them through a program and whatnot beforehand. Um, but, you know, like I said, it's picking up steam, which thank goodness, because there's like that knowledge gap of, um, you know, all of the disease processes and, you know, all of the uh, the nutrition and all the stuff that goes behind the actual technical skills. If I, you know, that's a huge section that would take just a ton of pressure off the training staff if they already had that coming in right? But they don't. So, <laughs> so what do we do here? Um, you know, I was just talking about this today about how uh, I really want to have my team have a lot of dedicated specific time to team building and specific time to personal training one-on-one and a specific time for hospital culture. Mm. And then I started going through. Okay. How do we do that? And I'm like, well, there's, we could, I guess we could come in before work, but then it's like, okay, well, if I'm coming in before work, I'm asking my team to take away from their own personal time. Mm -hmm. Um, and as we know, work-life balance within this industry is more important than ever. You know, we deal with a lot of, um, a lot of different struggles within veterinary medicine, but a huge one is mental health. And we need that separation of work and life. And we really need to balance that because this industry has, you know, forever just worked long, hard hours, um, dedicating heart and soul and everything to it. And there hasn't always been time for, for fun or for family or for whatever you might want to do in your own personal time. Mm. Um, so when I'm asking the staff to come in at hour early or to stay an hour late, I know that I'm taking away from that work life balance. So I say, okay, you know, what we'll do, we'll just, we'll close the clinic. For, for an hour, we'll close the clinic and we'll have our meeting and we'll do it, say at this time, we won't have any phones during that time. We'll just shut them down. It'll be great. But then you also have, just because I'm not accepting phone calls doesn't mean phone calls aren't coming in, right? Messages are stacking up. Prescriptions aren't getting done during this time. And so what I've really just done was to say, Hey, I need an hour of your time. So I'm going to need you to fit the same amount of work in that you normally do in a nine hour, 10 hour day, but I'm going to steal an hour. So just, you got to get it done, but yay, we, we did this for an hour. So, I mean, it's still not. A great option. I mean, it's usually the one we go for, but when you're trying to get people engaged in something like a staff meeting or a staff training, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to waiting for everybody to get done with the dental and you're waiting for every, you know, it just, it's frustrating. And not to mention, if you take an hour of say like appointment time, you're losing revenue during that time, Mm. you know? And, and so what do we do? How do we figure this out? Um, and honestly, who pays for it?
0: <laughs> I love this. Even, even pausing again to say, this is often where I see people give up. They say, we need oh, time, yes. but right? <laughs> all the time. Yes. I can't, I can't ask people to stay late or come in early. I can't take time away from the operation because we're already maxed out. We actually need 10 more hours in a day to get it all done. Mm-hmm. And financially, you know, we can't lose money. We can't, produce less so you know what we're just not going to do it guess uh, we're just gonna have to keep tolerating it the way it is and let's just stop thinking about this um conundrum that is not solvable this is usually where the conversation ends yes (laughs) we all feel very resigned and quite apathetic uh and that is circling back to why do people leave the industry when you don't feel like you can have a solution and you see perpetual uh pain perpetual burnout Mm-hmm. And yes, eventually most people will will jump ship. So here you are, you are wrestling with the same conundrum that many people are. And what do you do?
1: Well, you know, I, I also want to kind of harken back to, we're talking about people leaving the industry. Um, and, you know, we're kind of asking ourselves, what is going on in veterinary medicine? That's so different than human medicine, right? Because with the exception of like the vaccine mandate situation, we're not seeing nurses and medical staff leaving the industry at this incredible rate. Maybe they're seeing the greener grass change. I mean, who wouldn't at this point, but um, we're just not seeing the same mass exodus that we're seeing with with veterinary medicine. Um, and, you know, we do have our unique stressors. You know, we, our doctors, our technical staff, they get um, compensated Far less typically than their human counterparts. Um, although many of them enter the field with the same amount of debt from, from schooling. We have to say no to treating animals, um, often due to financial constraints, which is devastating. You know, we, we come in here to treat animals so that we can help them because we love them. And when, you know, they, the client either can't or won't pay for a procedure. Um, and it's not, again, it's not our personal pocket. So we can't just say, okay, we're going to do it anyway. I mean, we can, we can beg, you know, the, whoever the, the bosses at the time, if this is something they want to take on as a pro bono or whatnot, but it's, it's so different from human medicine where they can often, Rely on insurance, you know. Let's say yes now; we'll deal with the bill later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a situation that we get to do in veterinary medicine, and that's that's a huge, huge part of things, I, at least for me. Because uh, people not only do they not understand um, that we can't just say yes if it if it can't be paid for, because again, like I said, it's not our pockets; we don't have insurance but then they attack you for it. So our veterinarians get blasted on social media, blasted all around town. We don't care. We don't have hearts. We don't want to do this. And really they're leaving crying at the end of the day, you know, because they, they knew they could help this patient and they weren't able to help this patient.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: that's a huge part. And we need veterinary insurance to, get up and get better. It's coming. It's been doing better. Um, but we
0: need more. I love my veterinarian. So <laughs> I have it. Uh, I think that it's the responsible thing to do. I just makes me feel more comfortable having pets, knowing that I have that backup. It's worth yeah. every penny to me. Worth every penny. Yes. Um,
1: because it allows you to say yes, you know, because even if sure, you're going to, put this on your credit card or whatever you have to do. If you don't have it in your bank account, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that you can get that back. And so it gives you the ability to say yes, instead of that fear of what am I saying? Yes. To is this, is this a hundred or is this, is this a thousand? Cause this is a very different conversation, (laughs) but then, you know, in veterinary medicine too, we also have frequent end of life appointments each day. And those are emotionally draining, um, you know, whether it be, you know, your old patient that you've known since it was a puppy or, you know, that hit by car that just it's beyond saving. It's it's all very emotionally draining. Yeah. But, you know, I think that we've got those things kind of compounding the issue. Right. So we're asking a ton from our staff, emotionally, and as far as knowledge goes, but you know, why, why is everything such a big deal right now? I guess I should say. And I would say that in my personal experience and observations that we as veterinary professionals have always walked a tightrope. Mm-hmm. I think we've always pushed ourselves by working, like I said, these long physically exhausting shifts. And we have been close to the edge of burnout and compassion fatigue most of the time, but our culture was one of, it's hard for everyone. We're going to push through and we're not going to complain because we love our jobs. Remember we're here for the animals. Mm. (laughs) And then like I said, you know, then we start becoming aware of these abnormal high statistics of suicide in veterinary medicine. And people are becoming aware that we need to make ourselves and those around us a priority We need self-care, good work-life balance. And then, you know, recently we had the pandemic, which was fun. (laughs) I pushed everyone to their brink. They pivoted every single day. There was days that the rules changed every single day. Every day we have a meeting and say, okay, yesterday, throw it out the window. We're doing something new. (laughs) Um, And, you know, then we saw this huge rush of COVID puppies and kittens and the overall extreme pressure of trying to get this unprecedented amount of clients through the door every day on top of the fact that before all this, we were pretty close to the edge, right? Well, like I said, we're walking that tightrope all the time. And then this all happens. So now our staff members are saying, no, you know, they're saying I will not just push through to get to the next challenge and exhaust myself every day. Mm -hmm. I need trained staff. Mm -hmm. I need a happier workplace and a better culture. I deserve more compensation. And you know what? I'm going to stay home when I'm sick. (laughs) That's a new thing, right? As a manager, I'm freaking out because my standards and expectations no longer fit with this changing culture. You know, it used to be the old feeling of "you're lucky to have this job," and now it's "you're lucky to have me as an employee." Yeah. And are they wrong? The people you know? are rising up. <laughs> They're rising up. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm frustrated because the rules have changed. Yeah. You know, the old ways of doing things are no longer effective. Mm-hmm. And so, how do we in leadership pivot to address this new way of looking thing looking at things and Can we meet these challenges while still running an equally, equally profitable business? Because that's sort of what we have to do as managers is keep everyone happy, keep the business running. (laughs) And those two do not always go hand in hand. And, you know, I would say the most important thing that I'm trying to do right now is, or the biggest question I have is how do I keep the employees that I currently have And so that kind of harkens back to, uh, you know, we're talking about, we need more staff training and, you know, now we're talking about, we need happier employees because that's, that's what, at least in my hospital, I have realized are the two most important things, staff training and hospital culture. Yeah. They, they want not only for themselves, you know, for growth and just, um, you know, for your own self-worth, it feels great to pick up new skills and to be a go-to person. I remember the first time, um, one of our partners, one of our, the, that used to own our hospital actually used my name without looking at my name tag. I was like, Oh my gosh, I was like, he just, he just looked at me and not my name tag. Like, Oh, and so you know, not saying that that should be what we strive for, but, you know, I knew that I was becoming a point person. I knew I was somebody that they could rely on. And so that, you know, we build our team up with staff training. We can do more with more skilled staff, Mm -hmm. um, but we got to keep them happy. And that's where that hospital culture part jumps in there. And, you know, like I said, our industry has unfortunately learned the hard way how important it is to have a good focus on mental health. You know, we often find that having a happy environment with a strong, positive culture with that good work-life balance is the key to success, or at least I hope it is. (laughs) Um, But it takes a significant time investment to maintain a good hospital culture. Unfortunately, it doesn't just happen by bringing snacks, which is terrible (laughs) because... That is my go-to yesterday. We had five people call out sick and I was like coffee. Here's
0: coffee. Yeah, that's so funny. Cause I mean, it's, it might be a part of it, but it's not the whole enchilada. Right. Right. I mean, nobody dislikes it, but it's not
1: the whole enchilada. Like you said, I think that first of all, that it is going to require constant upkeep through training, positive reinforcement And a lot of buy-in from your team, especially your team leaders, because you alone cannot create a hospital culture and you alone cannot maintain that hospital culture. I have found that um, what I thought was a really great hospital culture, because it was for so long, has slowly changed over the last, I would say, two years because we have, of course, all of those external forces that we've just discussed but also so many new faces you know that, that didn't necessarily know our core values or you know that they just keep being told that you have the best hospital culture. And they're like, I guess, like, I
0: don't. <laughs> but- yeah, I, this is a good point because what I noticed when, when I work with companies that are talking about, we really need to hire more talent, but we, we keep trying to recruit, we're not having much luck. Well, often there's this issue that, your culture is so toxic. They can feel that when they interview with you and they don't yeah. want to join your team because they can tell they're not going to be happy there. Right. And when, we, when we talk about building culture, I really, what I use when I work with companies are the models that are the best in the world. You look at Google, you look at Zappos and how they did it. Uh, and then it becomes this organism that sort of lives on its own and all the people are contributing. It's made by the people. It's not yes. a top down approach. It's a bottom up and it. Takes that It's like pruning a garden and watering a garden and you know all of it yeah. lives. And I think that's what you're saying. Now, I know our time, it goes by so fast. I know that we wanted to, to touch on a few more points around this. So we're talking about culture and yes. making the time to do it and how do we pay for it. So we know, we, you and me, sister, we know that culture <laughs> is key. Training people, having them feel bought in, invested, that they love being at work, that they're being taken care of by the company. They're here to help the animals and they love doing it. So how do we actually make the time for this and pay for it? Right.
1: Uh, well, so as someone who is very interested in running her own practice someday, mm-hmm. I need to figure this out because <laughs> I know that time out uh, is an investment for employees. It's a very, excuse me, it's, it's a very important um, time for our employees. Sorry about that. <laughs> Time for our employees is a very important investment um, for the business success as well as for employee retention. Mm-hmm. But it's going to hit our bottom line. So you're going to have to pay the staff for the time, and understand that you're going to lose revenue during that time. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to, gonna have to wrap our minds around that. Um, And you know that it's just, it's an investment in those employees and in a world of growing corporate veterinary groups, we as the managers and leaders are stuck in this place of needing this time, but being unable to give it, taking the time that we need to create these happy and sustainable teams and cultures will impact the hospital revenue. And it's not a decision we feel we can make on our level but is it? <laughs> uh, cause I mean, can we ask this of our business owners and corporations to take less now as an investment in tomorrow? I honestly think that it is. Um, I think that it's a conversation that has to start now. Um, and so that we can show how much this is going to give them tomorrow especially when we're looking at the world right now and there's talks of recession and whatnot, we have to make our field as recession proof as possible. And the only way we're going to do that is through highly skilled employees who Mm -hmm. find our find value in their work and who are valued at work. And so I think this is a conversation like, we have to find the time. It is going to hit our bottom line a little bit. It just is. But if we take that time now, then we will make it up later, and we'll make it up in spades. If you, yeah, if I have a hospital that, and like I have, I've had a hospital who has put time and money and energy into me, and that's why I've been there for eleven years, because. They valued me. They saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. And I've grown as a, you know, as a woman, as, you know, a veterinary professional, and I love my hospital for it. Mm. And if we can get that from our other or give that to our employees, then we're going to have them for 11 years.
0: Yes. So you nailed it. The thing we always, human brains, as a psychotherapist, I can tell you, we tend to focus on the short term and neglect the long term, the long, the long view. So if we're so caught up in thinking, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, have these these temporary um, decreases in revenue or these temporary expenses and investing more in the team culture, um, we just can't do it. But if you look at the long term cost of not doing it, you lose right? so much money because you can't scale. You have turnover, which is very expensive. Mm-hmm. You have people calling out. You have people getting burned out. You know, it's just. The, the little, they say death by a thousand paper cuts is happening right now. But if we can go and invest the time and some money into really building this robust culture, this robust training program, having talented people in your team that that are like a family. They want to be here. They don't want to leave. They want to stay. And then helping that scale that every time you bring somebody new in, it's like a machine. It just gets them going. Like you spin yes. this machine, more and more talent. It just grows upon itself. You start to get momentum. And then the sky's the limit. So I think that you're really on to something here. And it's about having the bravery to assert ourselves and ask for it. Having managers step up and say, this is what I want to do. Rallying the people who want to be a part of it, the ambassadors within the company. And using the models that already exist, that are proven, that create amazing cultures and amazing programs. They're already out there. We just need to, to tap into them. And now is the time, I mean,
1: uh, with all the changes and like, you know, this fact that we are pivoting as a whole industry, um, now's the time to make those changes when we're already open-minded enough to, to accept that.
0: (laughs) And I think too, what you've noted is that there is a change happening that we either get on board or you're just gonna be left in the dust, That people are deciding to opt out and that's not going to get better. It's going to keep happening. So if we want to survive as a profession, we may as well just go ahead and call a spade a spade and start working with it instead of against it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, rapid fire part. I always love this part. How about <laughs> the point? What are like your top three favorite aspects of working in the veterinary field? Uh, Well, number one, puppies and kittens,
1: obviously. (laughs) Um, Even though I'm not on the floor as much anymore, uh, my team, if there's a super cute puppy or kitten, they bring it down to my office or they call me up there so that I can love on it. Uh, So, you know, the little endorphins that come with loving on a puppy or kitten. Um, I also love learning and staying uh, challenged and veterinary medicine has done that my entire career. Um anytime I started to feel like, oh man, this is getting repetitive, bam, something new happens, or I step into a new position. Um, and it's ever changing. So, you know, you're there's always something to learn. Um, and, you know, also within my hospital, it was my my culture, you know, like I said, it's changed and we're constantly changing to get it to where we want it to be. But uh, i would say that when i think of my friends you know i think of my family and i think of my work family <laughs> because they're people who went to my wedding who i went to all their weddings you know they're um people who have seen me cry probably more than anyone um have helped me through tough times that make me laugh that make fun of me you know keep me uh keep me on the ground if i start thinking i'm I'm getting pretty awesome. <laughs> they'll, they'll let me know why that might not be the case. Um, so yeah, I I think that the people, even though I always want to say the animals, it's the people that I see every day. You know, yeah. it's the people that keep me showing up every morning. Puppies and kittens are just a bonus.
0: Well, I would love. I was thinking about doing a series on this because so often you hear veterinary professionals say. I hate working with people. That's why I love <laughs> animals. But I think deep down, and I was one of those people who I did the one eighty, and now I'd say animals are my favorite species. I just <laughs> didn't know it because um, well, I didn't really understand them, but now that I do, I love them so much. And I think it'd be fun to do a whole series of podcast episodes that's about um, the love hate relationship of people, people and people. Oh, yeah. I mean, about, I digress. We could talk about. I, I was gonna
1: say I still Google uh, jobs with no human interaction occasionally <laughs> after that really nasty client. But uh, I know in in reality, if I didn't have the people that I worked with, my my little community, um, I would I would be miserable. Yes,
0: I agree wholeheartedly. So to bring things to a close, before I ask you where people can find you. I'm really struck by how you are just such an organized thinker. I I watch how you systematically go through things, which is very much why you're in the position you are as being a a manager. And one day, maybe running your own practice, your brain is built for it. So when you think back on this conversation we had, does anything stand out to you like a take-home message? For those of us who just like, what's the, the tagline or the one take home message that I need to walk away from this podcast with? If I can just get that, that's going to be at least one thing that sets me on the right path. Is there anything that stands out to you that you want listeners to take away?
1: You know, I, uh, as I was thinking about this podcast, I was actually pushing myself to sort of step up and find my voice within my company to say, I need this time. I need this time because I know that culture, uh, positive hospital culture is an important thing. I know that training is going to be an incredibly important, important thing. And so I'm going to ask for this time and I'm going to take this time um, and I'm going to make you something even better from it. Um, so I guess I would just say, you know, find your voice, find out, you know, what are your goals that you need within your hospital, whether it be training culture, what have you, and then You know, figure out what you need to get that done. How much time do you legitimately need for uh, for this to happen? And then ask for it. You know, I mean, if they say no, then you ask for it in a different way, you know, or you you come back with more information and prove to them with, you know, return on investment and whatever you may want, that this is going to be worth worth your time and worth your money. Retention alone, it will be worth your time and your money. (laughs) But um it doesn't hurt to ask and it's never it never hurts to come prepared. So (laughs) that's what I would say.
0: That is wonderful. I'm gonna nickname you Rachel, middle name Tenacious Golden. (laughs) Go after it. Speak up, be strong, assert yourself, work with them. If they say no, see if you can recreate and and work within the system, but still push forward. I love your your (laughs) take-home message. And for those listening, if they want to connect with you, let's say they want to know more about how you've done this, how, how you think about it, how they might implement some of these things in their own company, because sometimes we're just a couple steps ahead. And we might need a mentor that could just say, hey, we tried some of these things. They worked for us. Maybe you'd like to try it in your practice. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: So the best way to reach me is actually probably going to be through my LinkedIn, uh, profile. Um, I also have, uh, an email it, that I use for, it's not exactly my work email, but it's like my backup work email. <laughs> um, and that's rachelgolden golden 55 at gmail.com. Um, but I think LinkedIn, I mean, I get those to my work email and my other ones as well. So either way, um, I'm also on, you know, Facebook and Instagram, um, just Rachel golden.
0: Got it. So I will link those up in the show notes. You would just click down there and find your LinkedIn profile. And Rachel, it has been such a fantastic episode with you. I really appreciate your time and your insights.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. I had a great time.
0: Me too. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you feel stoked after listening to this episode. And as always, I would love to hear your comments and feedback. Is there a topic that you want to know more about? please let me know. And thank you again for subscribing and sharing your favorite episodes with others. It really means a lot.